Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And today we're excited to talk all about the upcoming Sabbaths, which are coming up very quickly, Beltane and Samhain. I live in the Northern Hemisphere and Alora is in the Southern Hemisphere, so we're talking on our respective Sabbaths. This way our listeners get information on both pagan holy days um, coming up in the next few days. So <clears throat> let's go ahead and get started. First, before we really get into it, though, I want to ask you, do you feel like the veil is thinning where you are? Oh, yeah. Um, so I actually talked about this um, in a live stream I did uh, last week. Um, and the Which difference, missed, between, apparently. <laughs> and the difference <laughs> between... Um, well, it was a, it was kind of private, um, but it was with Avalon and we were talking about how, even though it's not Samhain on this side of the world, um, the veil still thins, it just thins differently. So when you're in the season of Samhain, the veil to the underworld is super thin. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the season of Beltane, it thins the other way to like the upper realms. Um, so like the other world. Hmm. Like the Can I ask you day. when you say that when you say that this live meeting was private, does that mean that I'm not invited to the private meetings? <laughs> no, you're more than welcome to come. I think it was just on um Avalon's Patreon. I'm page. just giving crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said it was like private because it wasn't broadcast like on YouTube or social media. You. Ah, got you. Um yeah, I actually read something. I just want to mention this real quick. I read something that I thought was kind of interesting. I think it was in a Lori Cabot book that I have somewhere in my collection. I just picked it up and um, she was talking about <clears throat> how the veil tends to, it kind of, I wouldn't say like thickens, but like between sabbats, there's kind of a waxing and a waning with the veil. So you know, obviously when we're approaching Samhain and Beltane, the veil becomes very thin. And then after Beltane and Samhain are over, it kind of, you know, I guess you would say waxes again and, and then it wanes again as the wheel turns. So it's kind of a cool concept. I would say, I, I would, I would agree with that. I think and yeah. it makes like energetically, it makes sense because I don't think energetically we could be exposed to that level of veil thinning a hundred percent of the time oh god no i, I hope not I yeah. <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> yeah no kidding all right so um we're gonna get into basically educating and discussing our respective sabbats so we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll ask you about yours. So what is your Sabbath? Well, I am in the Southern Hemisphere, so it is almost time for Beltane down here. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and go into the, the next question, which is what does the name of the Sabbath mean? So the name uh, Beltane literally means bright fire, which comes from the Celtic sun god Bel, which means bright one. And um, Tain, it, but it's spelled T-E-I-N-E, -E, which is, I believe, Gaelic, which means fire. So hmm. that is how Beltane came to get its name. What about you? Okay, so my Sabbath is Samhain. It's spelled different than it sounds. It's S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but uh, that's Gaelic or Old Gaelic. And so it's actually pronounced Samhain. Some people pronounce it like Samhain, either way. Um, and that's celebrated on October 31st and into, you know, the morning or the day of November 1st. Yeah, and interesting to note is Beltane in the Southern Hemisphere, I, I actually found this out last week, doesn't officially take place until November 7th or 8th, something like that. Hmm. But, um, but I just can't get down with that, so... <laughs> I'm yeah. Celebrating it early. That's hard. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, okay. I should say too, the name of Samhain is, it's a Gaelic Celtic word that meant summer's end. 
So um, in Celtic times, our ancestors believed in two seasons, winter and summer. There wasn't like fall and spring and all that. It was just winter and summer. So the last harvest festival, Samhain, marks the end of summer and the beginning of winter. And so it's also called the Witch's New Year as the end of summer was also considered to be the end of the Celtic year. Awesome. Yeah, Beltane's a little bit different. Um, it has its origins um, in the celebration of seasons during ancient times. Um, Beltane was a time when people celebrated the fertility of the land as Mother Earth was at her most fertile peak. It was also a time to celebrate health, sexuality, vitality, joy, and unions. Um, <clears throat> this celebration extended into Roman, Norse, and Greek traditions as well, and includes the reverence of sun deities, fertility deities, and most especially the green man, Jack in the Green, which Jack in the Green is actually where they believe Robin Hood came from. Um, so yes. Mythology you, you might want to look into. Um, Sarah Nunos, Athena, and Bonaday. I hope I said that right, Bonaday. Um, it is also a very active season for the Fae. Believe it or not, most people believe summer solstice is the peak of the Fae season, which it is, but Beltane is also like ramping up to that point in the in the year. Right. Um, the reverence for any Fae deity, such as Anya and Rhiannon, is perfectly acceptable and normal and fine. Um, so that is probably the biggest difference between Beltane and Samhain is Samhain is the season of death and Beltane is the season of rebirth. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, like when you, when you get to the, to the solstices, like when you guys shift into winter solstice, um, that's the rebirth in like from the new year because mm -hmm. the um, god is born again but beltane is also a time of rebirth because that's when everything is coming into full bloom right um, fertility is wide you know widespread as far as um, reverence goes um and it's the holiday of the great right beltane is and so um it's all about emulating the union between the god and the goddess or the marriage between the god and the goddess Mm hmm Awesome. Yes, we like fertility and life. Those are all good things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll go, should, should I go into the history of this, of mine a little bit now? Is that what we're doing? Heck yeah. Okay. So, Samhain is an ancient Celtic feast of the dead in which our ancestors believed the veil between this world and the spirit world was thin, which also allowed for the departed to visit us. The wild hunt rode on this night and the fairy mounds opened as well. So I know you talk about, you know, Samhain being more of the veil thinning to the lower worlds and Beltane being more, you know, thinning to the upper realms like the fairies and all that. Um, I think it might be both ways a little bit, maybe, but just, you know, probably more heavy one way or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, um, that's totally reasonable. Um, and I was more speaking of like, um, I guess majority, if that yeah. makes sense. Like yeah. you can, that's more what I mean. Easily, yeah. Yeah. You can more easily slip into the underworld during Samhain and you can more easily slip into the realm of the Fae, for example, during Beltane, just That's because yeah. like the balances are tipped um, or the scales are tipped um, either way because, yeah. the, because the spirit world and the world in general operates on balance, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, the only reason I mentioned that is because I've, and we'll probably, I don't know if we'll get into this later, but I've had some experiences on Samhain with some rather trickster like Faye. Um, so I know <laughs> they're, they're out that night for sure. And they're not always, you know, the kindest, I guess they can be kind of, um, yeah, mischievous. So, okay. So uh, the name Halloween comes from a time when the church tried to absorb this pagan Sabbath by marking November 1st as All Saints or All Hallows Day. Uh, the evening before All Hallows came to be called Hallows Eve 
before Halloween, right? The church tried to remove Halloween from their calendar completely, but it's never quite been extinguished, which is a good thing because we love it. On <laughs> Samhain, <clears throat> it's believed the Morrigan comes into ritual union, or like you were talking about too, kind of funny with the great right. So she comes into ritual union with the Dagda or the Dada, however you want to say it. She's depicted as uh, a giant straddling a river and during which this time she sees him on the shore and they join together and then she becomes pregnant. So this is the promise that life will return in the spring and it was important for ancient people to give them hope that the winter would fade and spring would come again and that death is just for a time. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Very morbid and dark way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought that too. I'm like, it, it, it's like nice, but at the same time, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the Morrigan, I think any of her in general legends and energy isn't necessarily um, fluffy. <laughs> right. And you also have uh, really prominent the mythology of Persephone, Demeter, Hades, yeah. Hecate. Mm -hmm. all of all of that during Samhain as well um which oh we could have a whole podcast on that mythology alone but oh yeah <laughs> um but yeah like I I think across mythologies it's typically a different version of the same mythos if that makes sense oh yeah oh yeah and I'll, I'll talk I think I'll get into a little bit of that in the uh, the next part, but so for your Sabbath though, for Beltane, who in ancient times, who celebrated the Sabbath? Well, interestingly enough, during Beltane, the, um, the first fires of Beltane were lit from the hills of Tara. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's another reason that Beltane is heavily associated with the Fae. Um, the hills of Tara are sacred to the Fae. Um, and so there's that, but, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the Celts really celebrated Beltane heavily and it probably originated there and then was adopted by Roman Norse and Greek traditions as well. Hmm. Um, Beltane was a time where um, livestock, especially cows, uh, were, they were led through the bell, bell fire smoke, um, mm -hmm. so that they could be cleansed and blessed with fertility and health for the coming year. Um, and there's a bunch of tra traditions that, um, exist during Beltane. And I'm going to go over some of them when we get into the customs and traditions. Um, but like I said, it, it, it originally, uh, started with the Celts. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I feel like a large majority of all of the Sabbaths in the Wheel of the Year at least have some kind of ties to the Celts, if not, you know, um, mainly celebrated by the Celts. Right. Which brings me into my answer, I guess. So um, we know Samhain was once celebrated widely in Ireland, Wales, England, Scotland, and also the outlying islands like the Isle of Man. But we also have some archaeological evidence that it was once celebrated in Gaul by the Gaulish Celts. So that would be today, what is the country of France? So I believe just from this little piece of evidence that I found that the Celts, not just from the British Isles and Ireland, but also the continental, you know, European Celts probably also celebrated Samhain as well. We just don't have as much, it's, you know, they were converted first, right? So we kind of lost a lot of what we know about what they celebrated. Um, as far as, you know, the, the Celts that were in France, uh, modern day France and Germany, et cetera. So. Oh, well, um, if you, if you were looking for a specific country, I would say Ireland. Oh, Ireland yeah, and sure. Scotland for sure. Oh yeah. Well, no, I, we, that's what I said. We, we definitely know that it was celebrated there. It, it's, it was brought to America from the Scots Irish immigrants. But um, I think if we had more evidence, we went back further, we would have found it on the continental uh, Europe as well, not just the islands, but. Oh, oh no. I was talking about Beltane. <laughs> oh, my bad. That's okay. Uh, You're fine. I think it's uh, always about me. 
No, but I was just saying because of the, because of the Hills of Tara, um, and that was a huge thing. And that's Ireland folks, Ireland. But I would even, I would, yes, definitely there, but I would say I would question, or maybe I'm, see, I'm interested in like, not just the Celts on the British Isles, Ireland side, but also the European continental Celts. Cause I feel like, uh, Bell or Bellinus was also a continental Celtic god, um, really popular in Gaul. So I wonder if they celebrated Beltane at some point there as well, you know? Oh, I'm sure it's spread. Yeah. Um, just the mythology that we've got <laughs> and, the, and the history that we've got to look at. Yeah. Um, basically points to it originating with Ireland and, yeah. and possibly Scotland. But no doubt that it spread from there to the whole of the Celtic people. Yeah. So um, real quick, I'll just wrap up who celebrated uh, my Sabbath. Um, so I, I said that it was brought to America um, where it's, you know, Halloween is a big holiday here. Um, but in addition, there's Feast of the Dead all over the world around the same time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Obviously in Mexico, there's the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. Um, the Huron indigenous tribes in Canada celebrated a Feast of the Dead around this time, as well as the Algonquin, Ottawa, and Iroquois. Um, and also, interestingly, the Feast of Isis uh, in ancient Egypt fell somewhere around the same time. So the Festivals of the Dead span the globe. And um, but yeah, they also include ancient Persians, Romans, Pacific Islanders, Peruvians, pretty much like everybody, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, that, that was the end of mine. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> I get like pumped about Sawan. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> so for you, let's let's talk about Beltane. Okay. Go into some of the customs or traditions in Beltane's past. Okay, so like I was saying a little earlier, during this time it was tradition for the Celtic people to light bale fires and drive the cattle and other livestock through the smoke to bless them with health and fertility for the coming year. It was also a time when people jumped through the bale fires together for the purposes of purification and fertility, as well as couples who wished to pledge themselves to one another. So couples would jump through together. Um, that was one form of commitment back then. <laughs> hmm. um, because this is the Sabbath of the union between the God and goddess, hand fastings were prominent and they're oddly making a comeback in modern times. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, a hand fasting was not a marriage, but rather a committed engagement. It was a test run. So a couple would agree to commit to one another for a year and a day. And if they wished to split at the next Beltane, they could do so without repercussion. So this was also a time when people um, jumped the broom. And this tradition originated mainly in Scotland and was for people who couldn't afford a hand fasting, but still wanted to commit to one another. And the broom symbolizes the threshold between marriage and single life. So once they jumped the broom, they were jumping into the next phase of their life together. Hmm. This was also a time of uninhibited sexual encounter. So hmm. regardless of if they wanted to commit to one another, everyone was encouraged to reenact the union of the god and goddess. And people would go into the woods, have sex all night, and then oh. come back at sunrise with sacred Beltane plants, such as hawthorn blossoms, which they would use to decorate homes and make flower crowns the next day for the Beltane celebration. Ooh. Um, the maypole is another tradition with historic origins. The pole represents the male phallus, while, um, was usually made of birch and was centered inside a wreath of flowers symbolizing the female phallus, um, and it had ribbons attached to it. People would then dance around the pole, weaving the ribbons up and down to symbolize the web of life or the weaving of new life. Um, and this is where we get the maypole tradition. Um, I have to say that the going into the woods and having sex all night thing that was completely new to me and i was like what <laughs> mm. like, i don't know where that exists today but okay <laughs> you know 
Never mind. I was going to say something <laughs> naughty, but it sounds like fun is what I was going to say. Uh, well, I mean, to be that uninhibited. Wow. Yeah. Right. We don't know that nowadays. <laughs> I know. We're, we're like, like, I'm sorry. Um, excuse me. The forest? You want me to go where? I know. That's I sounds... to bring my phone. <laughs> you know, like, do you have a blanket uh, to lay down? Do you want to Snapchat this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Craziness. Uh, but those are some of the traditions from ancient Beltane. Very cool. Yeah, I always found Beltane uh, very interesting. Um, so as far as Samhain, it's kind of funny. There's some definite parallels and I think similar traditions between Samhain and Beltane. Um, in ancient times, as you said, talking about the livestock. So the Celts were known to be a pastoral people, meaning the livestock was, you know, most important to their survival at one point. So on Samhain, they would collect their cattle from the summer pastures and bring them down to either, you know, store them away or slaughter them for the winter. So it was customary to walk them between two large bonfires to cleanse them, just like on Beltane. <clears throat> the bonfires were lit on hilltops at dusk on Samhain um, for protection and to also banish any evil uh, that might be around that night. And so fast forward to medieval times, there's speculation that witches met on Samhain and always lit a bonfire. They feasted, they danced, and uh, they also were said to make magic with wax images on the Sabbath. So the reason why wax was used is because it was easily destroyed in the fire if they were caught and they needed to conceal it. Hmm. Which I just learned that. I thought that was interesting. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so going a little bit, uh, you know, closer in time, the custom of trick-or-treating originates in the old customs of mumming and guising. Mumming is when children or people go from door to door singing, telling jokes, putting on like skits and whatnot. And um, guising is when they would dress in costume or disguise. That's where the word guising comes from. But this custom wasn't just on Samhain, they did it on other holidays as well. Um, like during the, the Christmas or the Yule season, they would mum and guise as well. So there's a couple of theories behind this. It's, it was either um, to scare off the spirits or to actually disguise yourself among them for protection or neutrality. Hmm. Um, another similar tradition that came later, uh, an idea from the church, no doubt, is called souling which I find a bit disturbing, even though it was, you know, supposed to be a Christian thing. So this is when the children would go from door to door asking for soul cakes in exchange for praying for the souls of the givers. Or um, I think this also had to do with souls like in purgatory. So oh, wow. yeah, it's pretty weird. It's like, okay, I'll eat a cake and I'll pray for you. I don't know. It's kind of, it's strange, but uh, the tradition actually continues in some places in England and Portugal today as well. And then, um, in, in the Victorian age, Halloween actually became something of a romantic holiday, similar to modern Valentine's Day. So people mm -hmm. were very much interested in divination at that time, um, and spirits and seances and things. So they used Halloween as a day to divine their true love's name, dates for marriage and whatnot. Um, one of the most popular forms involved peeling an apple, throwing the peel over your left shoulder, and then the peel was supposed to reveal the initial of your true love's name. And then they also like to use nuts and they would throw them into the fire and listen to the pops and cracks. And I guess that was supposed to tell you, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> your love's name or something. So, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting to me because I know in the Midwest, like the North Midwest, so we're talking about like Wisconsin, um, Minnesota, um, and that, and some other states up that way. October 16th is sweetest day. Um, and it's not celebrated in the rest of the U S as far as I know. Um, it may be, but it's really big up there. And basically it's like Valentine's day, but reversed. So on sweetest day, it's the woman's job to, uh, romance the man. 
Huh. But I just found that interesting considering yeah. that um, Halloween Samhain used to be a, a romantic holiday in the Victorian era. Maybe that's where that come from. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know about that. So um, how, or rather, let me ask you this way. Do you celebrate Beltane annual, annually? And if so, how? So Beltane is one of my favorite Sabbaths to celebrate annually because of my Celtic heritage and because I have a strong relationship with the Fae personally. Um, so for me, Beltane is about fertility, commitment, purification, growth. Um, this is the time when I journey to the Fae realm and commune with them. It's, it's the time where I really start um, tending to a Fae space within my own house or garden um, and this is just like, I don't know about you, but Beltane is really the first Sabbath that comes along where it's warm and you can start, um, showing more skin outside and, <laughs> and it just like, it's a, it, I don't know. It just makes me feel really good. It's also, um, a holiday where we celebrate our physical vessel so our bodies, it's a big body honoring holiday. Um, and yeah, I find that to be really important, especially if you're someone who doesn't have a whole lot of time to invest in self-care all the time. Um, if you're going to have uh, a day where it's all about luxuriating your body, it's going to be on Beltane. So I love that about Beltane as well. Plus everything is um, aesthetically gorgeous, like flowers and, um, and parties and food. It's all beautiful. So that's why I really love Beltane and why I celebrate it annually. I love it. I would agree with you, except it's hot here most of the year. So it feels like Beltane most of the year. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but you're, you're, an exception to the rule because <laughs> there are people up north who are like you're nuts i'm freezing <laughs> yeah i know so um can you hear the rain right now <laughs> no uh-uh okay that's good i got a, st a storm rolling in and i'm i'm sitting on my back patio just because like i said it's about the most peaceful place in the house so um anyway well, if you hear rain in the background that's why well, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm sure you're going to say, um, yes, I celebrate Samhain annually, but go ahead and tell us, do you and how? Um, so yes, uh, <laughs> I've always been big into Halloween as a child. So um, I grew up up north in Maryland. So we have the four seasons, we have the turning of the wheel, you know, so um it would get, it was cold by Halloween up there. And, you know, you could carve your pumpkin a month before Halloween, leave it outside and it would preserve, you know? Um, so yeah, it was tradition, you know, dress up, go trick or treating. We always, always carve pumpkins. Um, and today, you know, I try to do the same with our kids, but I also usually make a special dinner and I always set a place at the table for my ancestors. And uh, yeah, we just typically party and enjoy enjoy the night as much as we can. This year is a little different because of, <clears throat> you know, the hell yeah. that is 2020, but <laughs> we're going to try to make the best of it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think some people go, some people, when they don't know the history of Halloween, they think, oh, trick-or-treating, that's just a modern you know, thing, it's not really, you know, it, it's all of it is from old ancient Celtic traditions in one way or, no, or another. I guess yeah. the only thing that's not is candy, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sort of, if they went around soling for cakes. True. That could yeah, I was going to say maybe the yeah. cakes and I'm sure they had some sweets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, this was asked, I think, in the group, but we always touch on this anyway with our with our Sabbath podcasts. How do uh, we celebrate Beltane today in maybe some simple ways? 
Um, hold on, I'm gonna back up a second. Sure. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna tell you a, why I think spiritually Beltane is an important Sabbath. Um, this is the marriage of the divine masculine and the divine feminine. So it brings balance to the universe. Um, but also I think it brings balance to practices that are otherwise dominated uh, the rest of the year, whether by masculine energy or feminine energy. So I know a lot of people that practice goddess only um, magic or goddess only path. Um, and yeah. I've known other people that only include the God, but I think Beltane's a really important Sabbath for bringing those energies together um, and bringing balance to a practice. Hmm. So just something to think about. Um, just like Samhain, this is a Sabbath where the veil is uh, pretty thin. Um, and yeah, so that's spiritually why I think Beltane's a really important Sabbath. But how do we celebrate this Sabbath in simple ways? So a lot of the old traditions are continuing to be upheld in modern times, such as hand fastings, flower crowns, dancing around the maypole. Um, also leaving offerings for the fae, fertility and abundance magic, crafting any sort of talisman or charm for these purposes. Prosperity and abundance workings are also prevalent during this time of year. Also here in Australia, Beltane is marked by the Melbourne Cup every year. It's a horse race like the Kentucky Derby, though it's the longest track in the world. It is an official holiday in Victoria, but many other states allow their staff either a half day or a whole day off work in, the, in celebration. And that's, that was really interesting to me because I didn't ever put two and two together that they may be related, but I, get, I mean, I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> so hmm. there's a huge horse race down here. Um, and it happens, I believe it's the first Tuesday in November. So, um, yeah, that's what, cool. but like you would have to, when I say it's like the Kentucky Derby, I would actually say it's like the Kentucky Derby on steroids. Like everybody dresses to the nines and, and goes to the pub to watch. I was um, going to ask, do you wear those gigantic hats? Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Mm. What about you? How do you celebrate Samhain in simple ways? Um, well, I wouldn't say I do every single one of these, but these are just some ideas for, for people. Um, so, you know, I said already, I like to set a place at the table for my ancestors. I think Samhain is most important for that reason. Um, if I could jump back just a second, you know, spiritually, like you were talking about, Samhain is important because you're able to commune with your ancestors much easier right. than really the rest, the rest of the year. I mean, but it should be easy anyway, but it's just, it's just a great time for that. So anything to do with your ancestors um, in the Samhain season is good. Uh, obviously carving jack-o'-lanterns, trick-or-treating, passing out candy, you know, uh, setting up an altar for your ancestors if you don't already have one, giving them offerings, saying a prayer for them, lighting a candle, performing any kind of divination. Um, I want to kind of, I guess, not warn people, but, you know, don't forget to cleanse and shield, especially on Samhain Eve, as there are trickster spirits out on this night, and they will play with you if you give them the chance. So cleanse, you know, Cleanse your tools, cleanse your area before and after, um, just as a precaution. Have a bonfire. You can do burning rituals, you know, write, write about things you want to banish from your life um, since the year is waning at this point. So, and another cool idea, and this was something I read because I was doing research, Lori Cabot says to dress for your intentions for the new year, seeing as how this is the witch's new year. If you um, want to like, let's say for instance, you dress as a witch, then you're invoking wisdom and magic in the coming year. If you wear gold and green, or maybe you dress as lady luck, you're invoking success and money, uh, mother earth for fertility, a warrior for strength, um, et cetera, which I thought was a cool idea. Um, cleansing rituals are appropriate as well as candle making and, you know, just have a good time celebrating Halloween, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Another thing that I want to mention about Samhain in particular is I have found when I was living in the Northern Hemisphere, I think Samhain for me was the easiest holiday where I could exercise my psychic muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if you have had an experience or two of clairaudience or clairvoyance or dreaming or what have you. Um, I think Samhain is the time where you get like this boost. It's like a power up. <laughs> yes. And I'll elaborate on this cause I have an experience recently, but go ahead. Oh, yay. Uh, but it's like, yeah. So in video game terms, this is where you get a power up and uh. it, it lasts for, um, it's strongest for about a week. Um, that's but what it, I'm in right now. It's lovely, <laughs> but, it, but it's where you can really like, con- like you can consciously, uh, exercise these abilities and mm-hmm. own them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So tell um, us about your experience. Cause now I'm dying to know. Yeah. And I was hoping we could bring this up cause I was thinking about it on my drive home tonight, but, um, so this has to do with mercury retrograde too. But anyway, <clears throat> like three or four different things. And this doesn't like, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm a pretty blessed person. I don't have like a lot of terrible things that happen to me. I, you know, I'm pretty blessed, but um, this past week, it's like, I will think that something's going to break, you know, or I'll have it in my head. Like, Oh, well this has been doing pretty well. And then like, it will break that night. So for instance, like I walked by the AC unit on the outside yesterday and I thought I wonder when this thing's gonna give a crap you know and last night it broke so and then um what else there was something else that I thought about oh and you know not to get into too much details but it had to do with COVID and like you know being exposed to it and then I ended up that it happened and then (laughs) not for me Uh but anyway and then um And then today I was driving to get the groceries and I thought just something passing my mind about my car. Like I have, it's a pretty new car. And I thought, well, I haven't had any car problems yet. And then my like tire pressure light came on like in that exact minute. (laughs) And I thought to myself, what is going on? Am I like evil eyeing myself here? Like, how is this happening? And then I realized that I'm just, I'm just (laughs) honing in. Like I'm just, I'm just knowing that the stuff's about to happen before it does. And, um, which makes sense. Cause I've been having a lot of dreams lately. I'm not sleeping as well. Um, Odin has been pretty prominent this week and, uh, <clears throat> he actually came to me in a dream and he was like a dusty old construction worker, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but like ripped up jeans and like a old hoodie. And it was funny, but anyway, well, I was also going to say, I know that claircognizance is a thing for you. Um, yeah. So I would say that it's just like your power up of that. Yeah. Like I, just like, knowing. Don't, I don't want to know these things though. Like right now, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'd rather not, I'd rather not. But anyway. <laughs> that it be a surprise. <laughs> right. Exactly. But now I'm just used to it. I'm like, okay, yep, that's, yep. I figured it would break as soon as I had that thought, but that's fine. All right. So let's get into some associations. So foods, herbs, colors, stones for Samhain. Go. (laughs) Okay. All right, go. So foods associated with Samhain, mold cider and wine, soup and stew, roast pork and chicken. Uh, You can put soup in pumpkin shells, pumpkin pie, pumpkin bread, bread of any kind, pumpkin seeds, pomegranates, gourds. Um, potatoes, apples, nuts. Traditionally, there's something in Ireland called colcanon, which is, um, it's like a bacon and cabbage infused into mashed potatoes, which I feel like you're probably gagging in your mouth right now, Laura. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's also something called aisling bread, where you basically put charms in the bread, and then every person gets like a lucky charm, or maybe not, you know, depending on what part they eat. What if the person chokes? Like what? I know. That's what I've always wondered. I think they do it with a colcanon too. They, I guess they tell everybody beforehand, Hey, make sure you chew slowly. 
but yeah, I always <laughs> wondered that too. Like, I guess you're not uh, lucky if you choke on your charm, right? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was just like envisioning somebody choking on this bread and like, <laughs> I know. And everybody at the table being like, well, he's the unlucky one. You know, it freaking happened at some point. <laughs> it oh, had to have. All right. What about foods for Beltane? Um, so foods for Beltane, oat cakes, honey cakes. Um, those are especially good for the fae. Ale, wine, tea, fresh fruits, salads, um, sweet and spicy foods. Any aphrodisiac food, so chocolate, oysters, I don't know. What are some other aphrodisiac foods? I can't think. Strawberries. Strawberries, yeah. Tomatoes. Tom really? Yeah. Tomato is the Ew. fruit of love. Ooh, I don't like tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. Uh, so also shellfish is really big during this time of the year. Hmm. But basically, like... The foods associated with Beltane have to do with the season, right? So this is when all the fresh fruit, all the fruit is becoming ripe and the veggies are coming up out of the garden. Um, so yeah, stick to that kind of stuff. And then sweet and spicy because it's hot out and, <clears throat> and it is a holiday of love. Mm -hmm. So it's all about all that. And I think... Never mind. I'll get into that when we get into another part of this discussion, but I'll save that. I'll put a pin in that. Are you sure? <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so let's get into the herbs now. So herbs for Samhain, sunflowers, mandrake root, be careful. It is toxic in some ways. Uh, bay leaves, apple leaf, pine needles, garlic, nettle, hemlock cones, wormwood, mugwort, Cinnamon, star anise, cloves, ginger, rosemary, and sage. How about you for Beltane? And I would, I would say, like, for Samhain, I would also say just all the poisons. Like, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I'm always, um, like, wary of putting that out there because, you know, people are always like, oh, my God, don't touch that. Like, it, it, just one touch and it will kill you. And, like, they always get on you if you mention <laughs> it at all. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And to those people, I say please read a book and then exactly engage <laughs> yeah exactly um so beltane in um australia i'm gonna say a couple of native plants here so the illawarra flame tree hmm. is this a, yeah it's a cool name hey that is cool uh, <laughs> um i believe that's native to north um north i'm thinking what direction is that northeast Queensland. Um, I, I believe that's where Illawarra is, but the Illawarra flame tree. And in my specific biosphere, um, we have bottle brush trees and they, I don't know if you've ever seen one. We have them there. Yep. Yep. So their uh -huh. blooms are bright red. Yeah. I like um, them. They're cool. Yeah. So they remind me a lot of Beltane. Um, and then you get into the more uh, ordinary, regular, herbs so you've got herbs are not ordinary <laughs> so you've got dandelion um hawthorn especially hawthorn blooms yeah daffodils ferns dragon's blood rue mm. rose flax tulips meadowsweet uh marjoram and then also the nine sacred woods which down here in the southern hemisphere i don't know how easy it is to get a hold of all of these um yeah. but ash birch hazel oak rowan willow alder and holly mm -hmm. awesome okay and then we'll go into did you do crystals uh no i haven't done crystals animals or colors yet you didn't do color? Oh, well, I mean, did you, did you write down, did you research and you got yours? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if I had included that. All right. So crystals for Samhain include basically any black stone or orange stone, but obsidian, jet, um, garnet, orange, calcite, smoky quartz, clear quartz, amethyst, ruby, hematite, and also not crystals and stones, but um, metals, iron and steel for warding. Black tourmaline. 
<laughs> yes, black tourmaline. Did I say <laughs> onyx? Probably onyx. Yeah. Yeah, I think you said onyx and obsidian. I'm pretty sure. Okay. How about for Beltane? What crystals would you say? Um, okay, so malachite, emerald, rose quartz, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. citrine, lapidolite, which is mm -hmm. very fairy. Um, fluorite and moldavite. I can't wear lapidolite. I'll just you say really? That. Really. It See, makes I me can't flighty. <laughs> See, I can't wear moldavite. I can't even hold moldavite. And if I'm in uh, somewhere where someone has moldavite, like I have to stand away. <laughs> well, why? Does it make you too flighty or what, what happens? Um, it makes me feel, I mean, not like super drunk, but drunk enough that like, I'm, I get a little lightheaded and stuff. Oh, <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. Um, on the other end of that hematite, I can't, I can't wear it or hold it cause it puts me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, back to the, back to the show. Sorry. Um, so colors for Salen, uh, black, orange, deep reds, bronze, golds, browns, I think purple too, and obviously fall colors overall. Yeah, and for Beltane, green, blue, red, purple, yellow, all in vibrant shades. So pretty much any color as long as it's bright and yeah. spring summery. Well, I won't say springy. I'll say summery because really this is the beginning of the summer season. So you anything think red bright. too? Did you say red? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because you think like passion and, you know, spice. Yeah, which is like... <laughs> why I associate the bottle brush tree with Beltane. That yeah. bright red. Awesome. And okay, so animals for Samhain. What do you have? Oh crap. Uh Did I didn't any? research that, but I'm I can tell you. Definitely <laughs> cats, owls, wolves, um, oof, spiders. That's all I can think of off the top of my head. Can you think of any off the top of your head? Um, dogs. Really dogs. any kind of hound. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have um, that psychopomp relation to death and the underworld. Cerberus. Crows. I mean, crows. Crows. You, you guys know what crows are, right? <laughs> crows. Raven. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm getting tired. You know, I've been virtual schooling again today. So, um, yes, crows and ravens. Um, yeah, that's all I can really think of. Well, here where I'm at, there's a crap ton of lizards. So I kind oh, of appreciate that too. Did huh? you say bats? Oh, bats. Yeah, that's true. Bats. And snakes, probably. Yeah, I could, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, any, any animal that has like a connection to really to witchcraft uh, or the underworld, I think. Yes, I agree. And on the other side of the spectrum for Beltane, cattle, bees, doves, <clears throat> swallows, uh, swans, sheep, and any kind of herding livestock, really. Mm. Rabbits. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and um, unicorns. Oh. Unicorn holiday. <laughs> unicorns. <laughs> I know people love unicorns and they're going to, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I've never been like super fascinated by unicorns. Me either. Okay. I'm like, don't hate me for this, y'all. I was more like a dragon or like, um, like mermaid, I guess was more interesting as a kid, but. Yes, I agree. Well, for, for me anyway. <laughs> um, we're going to have like all the unicorn like lovers boycotting us. Please don't. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not saying they're not majestic. It was just like, wasn't my thing, you know, but anyway. Okay. So do you have any specific memories or experiences with Beltane that you'd like to share without getting too naughty? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't really have any significant standout memories from Beltane, but I have a lot of smaller stories like 
anecdotes from Beltane. So one year I left an offering out for the Fae and the next morning, well, I left it out on Beltane Eve. And the next morning when I came out in my backyard, there was a fairy ring. So oh, I thought that was really, really cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And no matter what I do on this holiday, I usually get strong confirmation about any type of workings that I'm doing through dreams or journeys, or I get signs in the physical world. Um, so for me, this holiday brings a lot of confirmation on things I'm, I'm witching for. <laughs> love it. Not wishing for, witching for. <laughs> yes. I love the witch puns. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> So what about um, you? I mean, you know, it's Halloween. So uh, Sawa and Halloween, like there's a lot of good memories. I think I mentioned I grew up in Maryland. So, you know, I, we got the changing of the seasons up there. I miss that chill in the air and like the vibe just changes, you know, and you can just feel Halloween is coming. So I just always remember that um, from being a kid. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I don't know. I just always remember being happy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think like as you get older too, a lot of it just starts to run together. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, For was sure. this one Halloween or was it like 10 pieces of each? And I don't know. You don't know anymore. And funny, funny story. So down here, Halloween isn't a huge deal. Yeah. Um, it's gaining popularity as the years go on. Um, but because it's hot down here during Halloween, instead of carving pumpkins, they are promoting carving watermelons and pineapples. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would be smart to do here though, too, because dude, we have to, we're probably going to carve our pumpkins tomorrow night and then they'll be moldy by like Sunday within two but, <laughs> But I was thinking about like, um, they, they look really cool, especially the watermelons because they glow red inside. Oh, that is cool. But like the other thing I was thinking too is I bet it's not as easy to get the guts out. No. Like when you carve it. Definitely. But at the same time, you could save that watermelon and you could make an adult beverage out of the watermelon at the same time. That's true. But you know what? It might not be too hard to carve because you can take a spoon and, and like, um, dig out the watermelon that way. I've done it. Oh, I'd get it. Yeah. I'd get an ice cream scoop. Yeah, exactly. So that, that might be, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. I just thought it was very Australian and inventive. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right, so um, we'll go ahead and get into some of the listener questions. Uh, the first question was asked, if you're a really busy person and maybe you have to work on Beltane or Sawan, um, how do you celebrate in small ways throughout the day? If you wanna go ahead and take this one first, you can. Okay, so for Beltane, I would say if you're a really busy person, one of the easiest things you can do is self-care body rituals in the morning and evening. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so from the products you choose to use to clean yourself, adorn yourself with, um, whether it's perfume, soap, body scrubs, body butter, um, anything like that to, um, your wellness. So, um, watching what you're eating during the day, like making sure that that is all good stuff for your body, you know, skipping the Taco Bell and maybe going for a salad instead. Um, and uh, beautification, no. huh? I said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and beautification for the day and night are a form of magic in themselves. Uh, Beltane is a holiday where we honor our physical vessels, like I said before, and celebrate them. So anything that you deem to be kind to your body, I would say is a really easy way to honor Beltane as a, if you're super busy. Um, and I'd also say what you choose to cook for dinner is another easy one. So like I said before, um, shellfish, fresh fruits, salads, um, and ale and wine, those kinds of things. So um, not everybody celebrates the Sabbaths in the same way. And it 
doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be super elaborate. Um, if you can't pull that off that year or are just too busy or whatever, because trust me, there are Sabbaths that have gone by where I'm like, oh, it was uh, <laughs> summer solstice yesterday. What? Because <laughs> there, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's a year by year thing. Like some years yeah. you have time to do it all. And some years you're lucky if you remember <laughs> what yeah. day it is. Yeah, honestly, I I think, you know, I was all excited about Lunasa, came and went. I don't think I did much. And then Maven came and went. I don't think I did much. I'll be honest. And usually those are two that I celebrate, but it's just, it didn't happen this year, you know? So, and that's fine. Well, and I also think like the climate, the emotional and energetic climate of the world right now is yeah. difficult. Like it's, it's making it hard for people to get amped it is. <laughs> about, about holidays. So agreed. Yeah. What about you? Um, some of mine are similar to yours, but I said, you know, obviously talk to your ancestors, even if you mm -hmm. can't do offerings or build an altar or any of that, just talk to them. You, you know, you don't need a ritual to talk to your ancestors. You just talk to them, um, in your head out loud, whatever. I also said, you know, do a cleansing bath or shower. I mean, just being in the shower and visualizing, you know, white light bathing over you and getting rid of all the funk from this past Celtic year going into the new Celtic year, you know, you're going to be cleansed of all that. <clears throat> um, and then I said, yeah, if, if you are having dinner with your family, at least set a place at the table for your ancestors, even if you're just having pizza, still counts. <laughs> wear, wear or carry something that represents your intentions for the coming year. So similar to how like Lori Cabot was saying, you know, to dress in costume for your intentions. I mean, if you want love in the coming year, so wear the colors of love and the stones associated. You want money in the coming year, wear green, carry a piece of pyrite, etc. cetera. Mm, that's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So are there certain precautions to take since the veil is so thin on Samhain and Beltane? Me or you? <laughs> you, go. Um, so, and this is just my advice and you know, people will disagree with me, that's fine, you know, do your thing. But for me, I advise not necessarily to consult with the Fae on Samhain. Um, like I said before, there's some real trickster spirits out that night Maybe they're not even fey. Maybe they're just the dead. But it's just, in my opinion, it's best not to really attract their attention. If you want to focus on uh, spirits that night, just my opinion, like I said, talk to your ancestors. And then if you decide to do some form of divination, cleanse your space and your tools before and after. And if you feel like it, throwing down a circle is helpful on this specific Sabbath because the veil is so thin and... Um, you know, the underworld and whatnot, they can, they can walk the earth a little more easily. And if you're just kind of willy nilly about it, you might attract the wrong kind of attention, basically. Yeah. Like I'm in agreement with you. I would say being vigilant with the precautions you normally take when you're engaging in spirit work is probably a good idea. Yeah. So, um, for me, that's wrapping my head, um, most specifically making sure <clears throat> that my crown chakra and my third eye chakra are covered because um, it offers a layer of protection that isn't normally there. Um, burning a protective incense. Um, so like dragon's blood or sage. Um, mm. so using salt, lay, you know, laying down a layer of salt around your dwelling or around right. the space where you're working. Um, and I would say making sure that you ground before and after engaging in any type of spiritual working, um, as well as cleansing. Mm -hmm. um, so you also, something else too, that I wanted to bring up because I don't know how many people are usually conscious of it when it isn't a Sabbath, but being mindful of possible spirit portals in your house, um, mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit more mindful about my mirrors and things like that on days when the veil is thinner. Oh, because because they can be portals of entry for things that are not welcome. Um, 
but I'm going to be like staring at my armoire mirrors now tonight, completely freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well you can, I mean, there's a couple ways to do it. Some people throw a sheet over them. I can't. Um, it's too big. It, have you seen my armoire in my room? It's it's like my antique one is huge. Another um, way, or another another suggestion, I guess, yeah, is to stick like a an evil eye talisman hmm. above it. Okay, um, I've one of those. Or also like you can even like, if you don't have one as well, you can even draw one on the mirror itself. Um, point. So you do it in oil, maybe like just as a temporary. Yeah. I don't see why stick. not. <laughs> yeah. You can eat. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Cool. You can use makeup. Like if you have an eyeliner or a lipstick and you, you know, want to ensure that nothing, uh, with ill intentions crosses that portal Hmm. you can draw it right on the mirror i like that so um yeah so those were mine (laughs) nice all right um so and i i think i talked about mine already okay so the last one was a listener question and we kind of touched on the food thing before but maybe this is a little more of a personal like you know preference what to you are some good recipes for beltane uh okay so for beltane i'd say making your own wine or ale if possible um so wines um elderberry is elderberry is more of a autumn wine but uh this is the season for like strawberry and grape wine if you can uh make it yourself that's great um you can also like if you get like those beer making kits Um, this is a perfect holiday to do that or to, um, yeah, to either start it or drink it on Beltane. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'd say both, uh, for dinner, I'd say having a seafood feast, um, particularly if you are not allergic to and can eat shellfish. Um, so that's like oysters, clams, um, crabs. Crabs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crabs. I love crab. Um, (laughs) And getting creative with like fruit and veggie salads um, and keeping it really fresh and light for Beltane. Love it. Oh, you know what I would add to your, to the wine making um, for Beltane, even if you don't want to make your own wine, you can also infuse wine with herbs. Um, Like I've made a rose and rose and what else did I put in it? I don't remember, but I, I infuse wine with different herbs um, and it gives it a different flavor. You know, you let it infuse for like a week or so. And yeah, so that's kind of a cool spin on it. Good point. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, I'll send you, I, I have recipes. I don't remember what exactly I put in them now, unfortunately. I know rosebuds were in one. I don't remember. I think it might have been lavender, but I feel like I don't like the taste of lavender. So I don't know if it was that, but. Anyway, um, so for Sal Wen, I usually make something pumpkin related. It actually drives, well, it doesn't drive my husband crazy. He's just like, oh, it's autumn. Break out the pumpkin food. You know, like <laughs> I always make something with pumpkins. So I, I've made savory like pumpkin soup before and I've made pumpkin pasta. Um, it's like a creamy, like kind of Alfredo almost. Um, or you can make pumpkin bread beforehand and have some dessert as like a quicker, some, some as dessert, excuse me, as a quicker option. And then also another one is a herb roasted chicken with a mm. butternut, butternut or acorn squash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just to add to your pumpkin recipes, I'll have to send it to you. I actually have this one. It's um, pumpkin ravioli in peanut sauce. Oh. I had it one Samhain and it was delicious. That sounds good. Yeah, because it's I think it's Thai that. peanut sauce. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. I love the um the chicken, like the pad thai. Ooh, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. All right. So you know what? I had an idea, and we can talk about this more offline and decide if it's cool or not. But um I it just kind of hit me because I we we're talking about like, you know, um, just traditions and being young and all that. But anyway, 
what if we did a podcast at some point where we specifically have researched like old magic from where we grew up? That'd be cool. Kind of cool, right? Like our specific area. I know you're from Tennessee, right? Oh, I wasn't born in Tennessee. But where did you spend most of your childhood? Most of my childhood was spent in Virginia. Okay. Oh. On the the on the southeast coast. So, um, I mean, I moved on around. the water or no? Yes, on the water. Oh well, I feel like we're gonna have a similar. We might have some similar. Um, well, I can move it to Tennessee because I also spent a lot of <laughs> summers and and time with my grandparents. So. Yeah, just something to think about. Um, growing up in Maryland, it, it's it won't be like the easiest of research, but I just think it would be really cool to to kind of get people into researching, um, you know, old magic from where they're from. Might be fun. Yes. Well, I will. I'm game for that, but I will probably volunteer to do the area in Tennessee where my family is from because. Oh. Um, being from Maryland, yeah, our, we'd come up with a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. Virginia, Maryland is going to be very similar. So. Okay. Yeah. So now that that's out there, um, do you want to wrap it up or do you want me to? I can wrap it up if you want. Okay. Um, do you think we covered everything? We're good. Yeah, I hope so. Oh. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast with your hosts, Alora And Kitty. And we will see you guys next time for episode 12. Stay tuned to find out what that is. Bye. Yes. Bye.